Good evening. This is the Common Sense Party Podcast. It's been a while. Yes, we are back. The Common Sense Party's podcast. I'm mentioning this to inform our listeners of on the topics that affect every person there. Rate us, review us, follow us, and give us a five star. Give us four stars. Give us three stars. Give us two stars. Or even give us one stars, please. If you don't, we're just a silver donor offer. We are available wherever you get your podcasts, uh, Spotify, Amazon Music. Samsung Podcast, Pandora, iHeart, Google Podcasts, and TuneIn. Uh, you can support the Common Sense Party Party at uh, Zelle or Cash App. The information is on our uh, Spotify page. Also, uh, we are at ninjaofanothercolor.wordpress.com. You can contact us there or you can contact us at the com. Common sense party part at gmail.com. Uh, today we'll be talking about uh, Matt Gates. Uh, we'll be talking about Mar- Marjorie Taylor Green. Also, we'll talk about how the Republicans are backing out of the border deal. So, yes, the Democrat army, the Republicans are not doing any work, they're doing subversion or Making it seem like uh, Biden is not doing anything because this is an election year. Yes, this is an election year, 2024. Uh, so let's get it started. Down to another day in the uncertain life of that immigration legislation on Capitol Hill. One Senate lawmaker said it is a whisper close to being released, which he hopes will turn down the loud. Voices of denunciation of a bill that hasn't even been seen yet. It is illegal to cross our border, but apparently we're concocting some sort of deal to allow the president to shut down the border after 5,000 people break the law. There's lots of things that are out there they are just patently false. For instance, this ongoing thing that this allows 5,000 people in a day every day and checks them in. There's no way that's in the bill. Number one, I would never agree to that. No weeks of negotiations sought to bolt together the GOP desire for tough border enforcement with the president's request for aid for Ukraine and Israel. The bill may be public soon, but the Senate's top Republican sounds like he's already working on Plan B. If it's time for us to move something, hopefully including a border agreement, but we need to get help to Israel and to Ukraine quickly. CBS News immigration reporter Camilo Montoya Galvez joins me now from Washington. Camilo, first of all, what do we know uh, about the deal? Uh, and is, is it possible to know what's holding up the uh, publication of the, the bill's language? Good evening, John. To answer the first question, we have heard that this potential deal between the White House and a small group of senators in Congress would give the president an unprecedented sweeping power to effectively suspend asylum law. Right now, as you know, John, U.S. law allows migrants to request asylum if they are on U.S. soil, even if they enter the country illegally. But this emerging deal would allow the Department of Homeland Security, John, to effectively shut down asylum processing in between the ports of entry along the U.S.-Mexico border if the number of people crossing into the U.S. illegally reaches a certain level. And it would 
also instruct officials to try to adjudicate asylum cases fully within six months. That obviously is a dramatic difference from the current years-long waits that many asylum seekers are facing to get decisions on their cases. Importantly, however, this would preserve asylum processing at the official ports of entry and also allow asylum seekers who passed their initial screenings with asylum officers to work in the U.S. immediately legally. So that would be a change that would be welcomed by New York City and other places that are struggling, as you know, John, to house migrants who have no ties to the U.S. and who cannot legally work here. So this is a proposal that if it actually materializes, which is a big question, will garner criticism from both the left and the right. Uh, Camilla, can you help me understand and everyone else understand the number 5,000 and the role it plays and what would happen in this legislation, such as we know, because it hasn't been published, uh, because as Senator Langford said, there's a lot of misinformation out there. That's right, John. So what we know is that this shutdown authority to suspend asylum law would be triggered after their border officials record an average of 5,000 daily crossings in seven days. It would also be discretionary at a 4,000 daily apprehension average. So those are the discretionary and mandatory triggers for this ability to shut down asylum processing and to suspend asylum law. However, when this authority is not invoked, that doesn't mean that 5,000 people can cross into the U.S. illegally uninhibited, John, and that they will not face any penalties or repercussions. They will still be placed in immigration removal proceedings and can be removed or returned to another country or Mexico under existing immigration authorities. So that's an important point of clarification, John. And super quickly, Camillo, it, it, once it caps, once it hits 5,000, does that mean the border is shut for asylum claims down to zero? Migrants who cross into the U.S. illegally in between ports of entry would not be eligible for asylum when this sweeping authority is invoked, but asylum would still be accessible at the ports of entry. In fact, the deal will mandate officials to process a certain number of asylum seekers at these ports, at these official crossings, when the authority is invoked. All right, ladies and gentlemen, they have been calling for immigration reform for years, for years. And now that they got immigration reform, what do they do? They run away. They run away from, uh, from helping American people. That's what they do. They run away. But uh, we will see because the one thing they're doing is by stalling, stalling so they can get on, so they can get uh, Trump, Trump into office because this is what they do. This is what they do because check this out. This is the leader of the house talking to a reporter. that he doesn't want you guys to move forward on this and judging by his comments and clearly wants to campaign on this issue and have you spoken to him about the senate proposal and are you simply trying to kill this death no manu that's absurd we have a responsibility here to do our duty our duty is to do right by the american people to protect the people the first and most important job of the federal government is protected citizens we're not doing that under president biden we, are, we have only a tiny, as you know, razor thin, actually a one vote majority right now in the House. Our, our majority is small. We only have it in one chamber, but we're trying to, to use every ounce of leverage that we have 
to make sure that this uh, issue is addressed. I have talked to, to former President Trump about this issue at length, and um, and he understands that. He understands that we have a responsibility to do here. The president, of course, President Trump wants to secure the country. President Trump is the one that talked about border security before anyone else did. He ran on, as you remember, building the wall. Why? Because he saw this catastrophe coming. He knew that if we did not get control of it, we would be in this situation. And that's why President Trump took executive actions. He used his executive authority to get that system under control. President Biden came in reflexively and did exactly the opposite. And that is what has caused this crisis. It is well documented. I'm happy to share with you all, if you haven't seen it yet, our documentation of the 64 actions they've taken. At least half... He says, again, he's trying to give. Again, I'm going to win in this presidential year. That's the one thing we don't understand. They think people are dumb. They think people are oblivious to this. But we are going to check with NBC or where people get their question, where do you get your news? Do you get your news from registered sites, or do you get your news from X or Twitter? Do you get your news from those? Well, let us know. Check us out. Republicans continue to actively trash a bill they have not read. Former President Trump is claiming a border bill is not even needed. Speaker Mike Johnson posted on X yesterday the bill is a non-starter in the House. And many House Republicans echoed that sentiment yesterday. These people are calling Joe Biden a traitor for doing what Joe Biden has heard them saying he wanted them to do all along. They all liked it, Bill. And then Donald Trump said, don't pass a bill. It might hurt me politically. And now, traitorous, stupid. Turn the car around. Yeah, they turned the car around. How sad and how pathetic. Mike Johnson has said publicly on TV and interviews, yes, I talk to the pres former president almost every day, and he's telling us not to do this. So the thing yeah. we've been clamoring for for generations, and more specifically in recent months, all of a sudden, we're against Really? They Republicans continue to actively. Subterfuge. They are blocking just a block. Doesn't make any sense, but that's what they're doing. They're blocking just a block. And check this one out. To torpedo their border deal so Trump can keep running on his border chaos. Mitch McConnell, I thought that was shameful, what was reported out. That he's just completely rolling in over and capitulating. Don't even get me started with the weakness of the current Speaker of the House. I mean, they don't want a deal, period, full stop. They don't want a deal. They don't want to make this, quote unquote, campaign win for Joe Biden. It's just everything you need to know about the fraud that they're perpetuating on the issue of the border. They want to make this a political issue. Consistently, they have wanted to make it ever since there were a few brave souls with that gang of eight. If we all remember those black and white movies. Yeah, I'm old enough to remember that. And ever since there, everyone, they just walk away. They run away. The first day he was in office, not, not the next day. The same day, he gets sworn in, he puts out a comprehensive immigration plan. That was, and yet they didn't have a counter, they had no strategy in terms of, of the Republican Party even, even combating that, they just wanted to kill it. 
They didn't want to debate it. They didn't want to engage. $14 billion proposal, $14 billion. That's his latest proposal to address their stated issue of border security. 2,300 new border patrol agents. Another thousand in addition to that to deal with fentanyl. Close to another billion dollars, 850 plus million dollars just for new technology. And then address some of the issues of backlog on asylum to address those that are here waiting. Again, they are blocking just to give him a win. It makes no sense. No sense whatsoever. Because they don't want him to win. To torpedo their border they deal. They don't want him to win. Then they are just obstructing. They are just obstructing. The real purpose of today's hearing is to serve as one more distraction from the MAGA Republican majority's total failure on border policy. In their desperation to avoid blame for their utter inability to govern, MAGA Republicans instead seek to justify unconstitutional state action by blaming the Biden administration and threatening to impeach Secretary Mayorkas. But if they are looking for someone to blame, they should be pointing a finger at themselves. The Constitution vests Congress with the authority to address immigration and border security policy. Yet instead of doing the hard work of negotiating a bipartisan approach to immigration and border security, as is being done in the Senate, the Republican majority is holding hearings like this one. And they are taking their marching orders from former President Trump, who within the past few days has publicly called on House Republicans to sink a border security deal before mem most members have even seen the text, no matter what it says, or also that he has an issue to run on in November. I must also note that I was deeply disappointed to see the chairman's public call for Texas to ignore the Supreme Court's order, allowing the federal government to remove razor wire. And we're back. I don't know what happened, but have any issues. Uh, we were talking about how they, the Republicans were blocking, blocking, um, blocking uh, the border bill, the border bill. So we're going to uh, pick up where we left off. And... Yeah, pick up where we left off. We're going to look. And... So Trump can keep running on his border chaos. Mitch McConnell, I thought that was shameful, what was reported out, that he's just completely rolling over and capitulating. Don't even get me started with the weakness of the current Speaker of the House. I mean, they don't want a deal, period, full stop. They don't want a deal. They don't want to make this, quote unquote, campaign win for Joe Biden. It's just everything you need to know about the fraud that they're perpetuating on the issue of the border. They want to make this a political issue. Consistently, they have wanted to make it ever since there were a few brave souls with that gang of eight. If we all remember those black and white movies. I'm old enough to remember that. And ever since there, everyone, they just walk away, they run away. The first day he was in office, not, not the next day, the same day he gets sworn in, he puts out a comprehensive immigration plan. That was, and yet you didn't have a counter. They had no strategy in terms of of the Republican Party, even even combating that, they just wanted to kill it. 
They didn't want to debate it. They didn't want to engage. $14 billion proposal, $14 billion. That's his latest proposal to address their stated issue of border security. 2,300 new border patrol agents. Another thousand in addition to that to deal with fentanyl. Close to another billion dollars, 850 plus million dollars just for new technology. And then address some of the issues of backlog on asylum to address those that are here waiting to torpedo. They are trying to stall, trying to stall. That's what they're doing. Republicans continue to actively trash a bill they have not read. Former President Trump is claiming a border bill is not even needed. Speaker Mike Johnson posted on X yesterday the bill is a non-starter in the House. And many House Republicans echoed that sentiment yesterday. These people are calling Joe Biden a traitor for doing what Joe Biden has heard, heard them saying wanted them to do all along. They all liked the bill. And then Donald Trump said, don't pass a bill that might hurt me politically. And now, traitorous, stupid. Turn the car around. Yeah, they turned the car around. How sad and how pathetic. Mike Johnson has said publicly on TV and interviews, yes, I talk to the pres former president almost every day, and he's telling us not to do this. So the thing yeah. we've been clamoring for for generations, and more specifically in recent months, all of a sudden, we're against Really, it. they... Republicans continue to actively trash a bill they have not read. Former President Trump is claiming a border bill is not even needed. Speaker Mike Johnson posted on X yesterday the bill is a non-starter in the House. And many House Republicans echoed that sentiment yesterday. These people are calling Joe Biden a traitor for doing what Joe Biden has heard them saying wanted them to do all along. They all liked the bill. And then Donald Trump said, don't pass a bill. It might hurt me politically. And now, traitorous, stupid. Turn the car around. Yeah, they turned the car around. How sad and how pathetic. Mike Johnson has said publicly on TV and interviews, yes, I talk to the pres former president almost every day, and he's telling us not to do this. So the thing yeah. we've been clamoring for for generations, and more specifically in recent months, all of a sudden, we're against Really? They yeah. Where do you get your news from? Um Non-starter, that's an or, or traditional. And here's the Speaker of the House, our relating affairs. Non-starter in the House. Manu. No, Manu, that's absurd. We have a responsibility here to do our duty. Our duty is to do right by the American people, to protect the people. The first and most important job of the federal government is protecting citizens. We're not doing that under President Biden. We, are, we have only a tiny, as you know, razor thin, actually a one vote majority right now in the House. Our, our majority is small. We only have it in one chamber, but we're trying to, to use every ounce of leverage that we have to make sure that this uh, issue is addressed. I have talked to, to former President Trump about this issue at length, and um, and he understands that. He understands that we have a responsibility to do here. The president, of course, President Trump, wants to secure the country. President Trump is the one that talked about border security before anyone else did. He ran on, as you remember, building the wall. Why? Because he saw this catastrophe coming. He knew that if we did not get control of it, we would be in this situation. And that's why President Trump took executive actions. He used his executive authority to get that system under control. Yeah. 
but he called them migrants and migrants and um rapist yeah you go but anyway again this is an election year and they're trying to get him a win they were crying for they were crying for um they were crying for border patrol but border help but they now are backing away from the table uh check out what cbs said now to another day in the uncertain life of that immigration legislation on Capitol Hill. One Senate lawmaker said it is a whisper close to being released, which he hopes will turn down the loud voices of denunciation of a bill that hasn't even been seen yet. It is illegal to cross our border, but apparently we're concocting some sort of deal to allow the president to shut down the border after 5,000 people break the law. And there's lots of things that are out there that are just patently false. For instance, this ongoing thing that this allows 5,000 people in a day every day and checks them in. There's no way that's in the bill. Number one, I would never agree to that. The weeks of negotiations sought to bolt together the GOP desire for tough border enforcement with the president's request for aid for Ukraine and Israel. The bill may be public soon, but the Senate's top Republican sounds like he's already working on Plan B. It's time for us to move something, hopefully including a border agreement, but we need to get help to Israel and to Ukraine quickly. CBS News immigration reporter Camilo Montoya Galvez joins me now from Washington. Camilo, first of all, what do we know uh, about the deal uh, and is is it possible to know what's holding up the uh, publication of the the bill's language? Good evening, John. To answer the qu first question, we have heard that this potential deal between the White House and a small group of senators in Congress would give the president an, an unprecedented sweeping power to effectively suspend asylum law. Right now, as you know, John, U.S. law allows migrants to request asylum if they are on U.S. soil, even if they enter the country illegally. But this emerging deal would allow the Department of Homeland Security, John, to effectively shut down asylum processing in between the ports of entry along the U.S.-Mexico border if the number of people crossing into the U.S. illegally reaches a certain level. And it would also instruct officials to try to adjudicate asylum cases fully within six months. That obviously is a dramatic difference from the current years-long waits that many asylum seekers are facing to get decisions on their cases. Importantly, however, this would preserve asylum processing at the official ports of entry and also allow asylum seekers who passed their initial screenings with asylum officers to work in the U.S. immediately legally. So that would be a change that would be welcomed by New York City and other places that are struggling, as you know, John, to house migrants who have no ties to the U.S. and who cannot legally work here. So this is a proposal that if it actually materializes, which is a big question, will garner criticism from both the left and the right. Uh, Camilla, can you help me understand and everyone else understand the number 5,000 and the role it plays and what would happen in this legislation such as we know, because it hasn't been published, uh, because as Senator Langford said, there's a lot of misinformation out there. That's right, John. So what we know is that this shutdown authority to suspend asylum law would be triggered after border officials record an average of 5,000 daily crossings in seven days. It would also be discretionary at a 4,000 daily apprehension average. So 
those are the discretionary and mandatory triggers for this ability to shut down asylum processing and to suspend asylum law. However, when this authority is not invoked, that doesn't mean that 5,000 people can cross into the U.S. illegally uninhibited, John, and that they will not face any penalties or repercussions. They will still be placed in immigration removal proceedings and can be removed or returned to another country or Mexico under existing immigration authorities. So that's an important point of clarification, John. And super quickly, Camillo, it, it, once it caps, once it hits 5,000, does that mean the border is shut for asylum claims down to zero? Migrants who cross into the U.S. illegally in between ports of entry would not be eligible for asylum when this sweeping authority is invoked, but asylum would still be accessible at the ports of entry. In fact, the deal will mandate officials to process a certain number of asylum seekers at these ports, at these official crossings, when the authority is invoked, John. Come on, one time. All right, so that's the deal that is on the table that they are not going for. And why is that? Because they don't want to, they don't want to, they don't want to give President Biden a win. Everybody's saying Trump is going to win. I do not think so. I'll be working the Georgia polls uh, this year. That's like the last couple of years. Uh, I worked two years ago, yeah, the last election. I don't know. The midterms, so. Uh, I know Americans, I say it all the time, Americans are really, they don't like they don't like to prosper, but if you let this dude back in, we're going to go step, uh, take a step backward. All right, moving on to our next story. We'll be talking about Matt Gates. He's currently under uh, ethics investigation. Could he be expelled just like um, Santos? Check it out. Breaking news sources say that the House Ethics Committee investigating Republican Congressman Matt Gates of Florida has now reached out to the U.S. Justice Department and to a woman with whom the congressman allegedly had sexual relations when she was 17 years old. Elections that Congressman Gates denies. We should note Congressman Gates has never been charged with any wrongdoing here. CNN's Paula Reed has this exclusive reporting. Paula, what, what have we learned? So, Jade, we've learned that the House Ethics Committee investigating Congressman Gates has done a new round of outreach to potential witnesses, including a woman who was still 17 years old when she allegedly had sexual contact with Congressman Gates. We learned they have also reached out to the Justice Department, asking for materials from its years-long investigation into the congressman, where they examined these allegations of possible sexual contact with a minor, along with other crimes. But as you noted, they did not ultimately opt to charge the congressman. Right. They opt not to charge him, but this is funny. Check this out. Yeah, look at that. That is the craziest stuff ever. But it might be true. Is he a pedophile? You never know. You never know. Uh, he's he can't. I don't think he's going to run for governor now. So who knows? But uh, that is Matt Gates. Um, 
how we got here, Paula. So back in late 2020, under Trump-appointed Attorney General Bill Barr, they opened an investigation at the Justice Department into whether Congressman Gates or his associates may have had sex with an underage girl, the woman who just received this outreach. Now, this expanded over several years to include also looking into allegations of possible lobbying violations, sex trafficking, and even obstruction of justice. But ultimately, as we've said, Congressman Gates was not charged, though his associate, Joel Greenberg, did admit to multiple crimes, including soliciting and having sex with that minor. Now, the Ethics Committee had its own probe starting in 2021 into the congressman, but then put that on pause to yield to the federal investigation. But after the federal investigation wrapped up last year, this was all revived. But this revival has not been without serious political consequence. Gates privately blamed former House Speaker Kevin McCarthy for reviving the ethics probe. And and the former speaker has also blamed Gates's frustration about the ethics probe for, you know, Gates's work to try to push McCarthy out of his position. But we see even in a post-Speaker McCarthy world, the ethics probe not only continues, but appears to be ramping up. That is... But... Republican and Republican crime, but they are trying to investigate him. Um, let's see what my guy, Brian Taylor Cohen says. Breaking news sources say that the House Ethics Committee investigating Republican Congressman Matt Gates of Florida has now reached out to the U.S. Justice Department and to a woman with whom the congressman allegedly had sexual relations when she was 17 years old. Elections that Congressman Gates denies. We should note Congressman Gates has never been charged with any wrongdoing here. CNN's Paul Reed has this exclusive important follow-up. What, what have we learned? So, Dave, we've learned that the House Ethics Committee investigating Congressman Gates has done a new round of outreach to potential witnesses, including a woman who was still 17 years old when she allegedly had sexual contact with Congressman Gates. We've learned they have also reached out to the Justice Department, asking for materials from its years-long investigation into the congressman, where they examined these allegations of possible sexual contact with a minor, along with other crimes. But as you noted, they did not ultimately opt to charge the congressman. This week, the news broke that the House Ethics Committee investigating Matt Gates had reached out to the Justice Department and to a woman with whom the congressman allegedly had sexual relations when she was 17 years old. The move is a sign that the Republican-led committee is now ramping up the investigation of the Florida Republican. But in a major update, it now turns out, based on reporting from the Daily Beast, that Gates privately told his colleagues that his real motivation for ousting Kevin McCarthy as speaker was payback for this ongoing ethics probe. The Daily Beast reviewed communications between Gates and a friend, explaining that, quote, in the communications, Gates singled out McCarthy individually for reviving an ethics committee probe against him, and he indicated that his animus toward McCarthy was over that investigation. The beleaguered Florida congressman's anger over the revived probe was so strong that he wrote his resentment all the way to a history-making vote to remove McCarthy. And of course, Gates's effort to oust McCarthy ultimately proved so successful that McCarthy not only lost his speaker's gavel, but has since resigned from Congress. Also, according to the Daily Beast, other Republican congressional sources confirmed that Gates acknowledged his revenge motive behind closed doors. In one instance over the summer, Gates relayed to a group of colleagues that his push to remove McCarthy was a direct response to the ethics investigation. In another instance, a senior Republican congressional staffer told the Daily Beast that he had also heard Gates lay the ethics probe at McCarthy's feet. I've heard him complain about Kevin because of it, with the aide confirming that Gates connected the probe to his rally to remove McCarthy. 
And just like Gates was reportedly so incensed with Kevin McCarthy over this probe that he orchestrated stripping McCarthy of his speakership, Gates was similarly incensed with this reporting by the Daily Beast. He said, quote, As I've answered likely a hundred times on the record, I led the charge to remove Kevin McCarthy from his role as House Speaker because he failed to keep his promises. The Daily Beast continues to lie about me, and I think it's due for a round of layoffs. And look, I obviously can't predict what the House Ethics Committee is going to do, and I will note for posterity again that the Justice Department opted not to charge Gates, but there is an expression that comes to mind while listening to Gates's frenetic denials. A hit dog will holler. Mm. Well, so while this investigation into Gates will continue, I wouldn't be surprised to see Gates ramp up his attacks against whoever he views as responsible. It's worth noting that when it comes to revenge, Gates pulls no punches, even if it's against his yeah, own party. Again, he was responsible for Republican Kevin McCarthy losing his speakership. And he literally outed his Republican colleague who criticized him and his antics by claiming during a live broadcast that his colleague was, quote, living a lie. And so clearly, Gates is unwilling to wield any weapons he views as being at his disposal in an effort to control the narrative. So it remains to be seen what the House Ethics Committee, which again is led by Republicans, uncovers with regard to Matt Gates. But the Florida Republican is clearly intent on keeping it quiet. McCarthy might have lost his career as the result of it, but the rest of that committee doesn't seem to be allowing Gates's fear tactics to bully them into submission. Yeah, let's see what happened to Mr. Gates. And... I guess in positive news, um, the um, the house passed a seventy-nine billion business and family benefits package, or they expanded the. Tax child credit. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. They they expanded credit and it passed three fifty seven to seventy and five people didn't vote. Um, of course you're gonna hear from Republicans who think it's welfare state. Check it out. Uh but unfortunately as happens in this town, this legislation comes with provisions that, frankly, the people I represent are tired of. And it's provisions that would continue to expand the welfare state, as the Wall Street Journal editorialized about, by expanding the child tax credit in ways that will continue to fund uh, people directly through refundable credits, uh, which we find to be problematic. And we think undermines the kind of economic activity and incentive to work and incentive to, um, uh, you know, produce value that we think is critically important for economic growth. But importantly, that that provision is also available to parents who are here in this country illegally of children born in the United States. We think that's a problem. We think that is not just allowing essentially birthright citizenship anchor babies, but funding it. That's a problem. Now, my colleagues on this side of the aisle will rejoin that that was a product of the 2017 bill that was pushed by and passed by Republicans, including President Trump, to which I say, right, so what? It's still wrong. It's still bad policy. We shouldn't do it. And we should not be perpetuating it now. He's always against helping people. He's always a negative Nancy. What is Paul Casey? Everybody, Congressman Paul Norrie. Everybody, Congressman Paul Norrie here with big news. 
We're expanding and extending the child tax credit, helping 16 million families make life just a little bit easier. You know, as the son of a single mom as a public school teacher, I know how important putting money back in your pocket is, and that's what the child tax credit does. That's also a win for our businesses and for affordable housing. It's a win across the board, and it's a bipartisan one. And that's my commitment to you, but I'll always work with anybody to help you and your family get ahead. Yeah, they... It's an election year, so it's going to be like this for a while, but that's a good win for our poor people. And these people don't like poor people. I do rise in opposition to this legislation, um, and I do so reluctantly because I know of the significant amount of work by my friend from Missouri, by those on frankly on both sides of the aisle to reach agreement, my friends on ways and means, important provisions in this legislation that are critical for job growth, uh, for economic growth, critical for the well-being of our country. Um, numerous uh, businesses I know in Texas and around this country that understand the importance of the expensing provisions, the interest provisions, research and development. Uh, but unfortunately, as happens in this town, this legislation comes with provisions that, frankly, the people I represent are tired of. And it's provisions that would continue to expand the welfare state, as the Wall Street Journal editorialized about, by expanding the child tax credit in ways that will continue to fund uh, people directly through refundable credits, uh, which we find to be problematic. And we think undermines the kind of economic activity and incentive to work and incentive to um, uh, you know, produce value that we think is critically important for economic growth. My question is this. Don't the people who pay taxes have the right to use the taxes where they seem fit? So he's representing Texas. So the people of Texas can't apply for this who have children. So why is he dead set against it? But importantly, that that provision is also available to parents who are here in this country illegally of children born in the United States. We think that's a problem. We think that is not just allowing essentially birthright citizenship anchor babies, but funding it. That's a problem. Now, my colleagues on this side of the aisle will rejoin that that was a product of the 2017 bill that was pushed by and passed by Republicans, including President Trump, to which I say, right, so what? It's still wrong. It's still bad policy. We shouldn't do it. And we should not be perpetuating it now. All through the 11th hour last night, I worked hard trying to find a way to come up with a provision that might be palatable on both sides of the aisle, this side of the aisle, to find a way to say, let's get that provision pulled off so we can move the pieces that will be good for economic growth and prosperity that I think has bipartisan support and clearly support on this side of the aisle. Unfortunately, we've not done that. And I'm getting a lot of correspondence from people that I represent who are sick of the same old game in this town who are sick of saying we're just going to keep doing the same thing and we're going to, in this case, again, continue to expand the welfare state and, in this case, do so in a way in which it entices people to be in the United States illegally, benefit from being here illegally, and do so at a time when we have a heightened level of illegal traffic into the United States, 300,000 people crossing the border in December, millions who have crossed under this president, and we're now, in the middle of that crisis, going to continue to fuel the fire. I think that is a mistake. I think it is a mistake for the country. I think it is a mistake on policy. And I think it is a mistake politically.
Yeah, but they don't want to. They don't want to fund the bill. They don't want to fund the bill that helps to. Help the um damn thing talk about the border. There you go. There you go. Yep, they don't care. I'm independent, but I'd rather have a bill that helps, what, 16 million, 16 million kids out of poverty, legal or not. Like I said, I would pay taxes as long as I know where the taxes are going. If you don't tell me where the taxes are going, I would have a problem with it. All right, this is the common sense party podcast i am your host uh d-o-t-t-l-e-y yes i am d-o-t-t-l-e-y this is the common sense party common sense party podcast mission is to inform our listeners on topics that affect everyday life rate us review us subscribe tell a friend to tell a friend please give us uh five stars give us four stars give us three stars give us two stars give us any stars if you don't give us any stars, so soon we're doing it properly. Uh, we are available wherever you get your podcasts. We are available on Spotify, Amazon Music, Samsung Podcasts, Pandora, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, iHeartRadio. Uh, you can contact us at the Common Sense Party Podcast. Since it's spelled C-E-N-T-S, Common Sense Party Pod at gmail.com. Available on Instagram, TikTok. Wherever you get your social media, you can support uh, the podcast via Cash App or Zelle. Uh, the information is on our Spotify page. You can also reach us at uh, Ninjas of Another Color at WordPress.com. Let us know. All right. This has been the Common Sense Party Podcast, and we are out. <laughs>